This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you the reality is usually scoffed at, and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio, on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Or you can shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and get something off your chest at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, it's Monday and we're about to start another week of our crazy coronavirus. Black Lives Matter uh, run up to this election. The president is starting to fight back uh, in earnest. He's uh, The campaign is really... On message, of course, they're getting almost an entire blackout from the mainstream media. But, uh, you know, some of this is bound to leak through via social media and uh, word of mouth. And uh, I got to I got to tell you, they're hitting on all cylinders. The Trump campaign is they're doing everything right right now. Joe Biden, his campaign is stuck in the ditch. It's uh, he's in his basement. His wife is actually going out and doing live interviews while Joe Biden uh, only does these scripted interviews from his basement, which tells you a lot. Uh, it's okay for Jill Biden to be out, but Joe Biden can't either. One of two things you have to conclude is his health is so bad that he dare not expose himself to the virus or two that he is, uh, suffering such cognitive impairment that, uh, that, you know, his, his handlers think it's uh, it's a better idea to keep him locked up. I think it's probably a combination of them both. The president, for his part, traveled to his golf club in Bedminster, New Jersey, and uh, held a held a uh, press conference on Friday night. And then Saturday, he signed these executive orders that you've no about no doubt heard about already. Um, <laughs> the Republicans are starting to play a guerrilla warfare on this whole peaceful protest. They've you know taken note that there is a special COVID exemption for the Democrats and their stormtroopers rioting in the streets. When it comes to COVID, uh, the, the media declare their peaceful protests and, uh, uh, there has to be an exception made. So now the Republicans, uh, are, you know, claiming that, well, we're peacefully protesting while we're in church and we're peacefully protesting by going to work. And on Friday, uh, the president deployed this strategy, at his press conference, when one of the smart-ass reporters uh, tried to condemn, you know, the 
the uh, club members from gathering for this press conference. Thousand Americans this week, and just in this room, you have dozens of people. You're not following the guidelines in New Jersey, which say you should not have. No, they don't have to. This is a political activity. You're wrong on that because it's a political activity. They have exceptions, political activity, and it's also a peaceful protest. So when you happen, and as you know, exactly. You said peaceful protests were okay. This is our form of peaceful protest. It's an actual peaceful protest as opposed to, you know, the rioting and the looting. Out in California, the governor, Gavin Newsom, and the mayor of Los Angeles, Garcetti, is suing the Grace Community Church, trying to get them to uh, force him to stop having services. The pastor there, uh, I think his name is John MacArthur, has said that uh, you have no right to infringe on our First Amendment right to to uh, worship as we see fit. They're imposing five thousand dollar a day uh, penalties on Grace Baptist Ch- or Grace Community Church. We'll see how that plays out in court. But John MacArthur took to the pulpit on Sunday, and this is what it sounded like. Good morning, everyone. I'm so happy to welcome you to the uh, Grace Community Church Peaceful Protest. (laughs) They're peacefully protesting up in the badlands of uh, South Dakota as well at the Sturgis Rally, where it's estimated about 250,000, 250,000 Bikers have uh, assembled up there for their annual party, undeterred by the uh, COVID lockdowns. Uh, once again, the media displaying its its blatant double standard has found one kind of rally that uh, they don't like. And also this morning, thousands of bikers are descending on Sturgis, Hundreds South Dakota, of site of an annual rally. None of them are required to wear masks. And there are fears it could turn into what is known as a super spreader event. NBC's Kathy Park is in Sturgis with the very latest. Kathy, good morning to you. Hey, Kristen, good morning to you. This event has been going on since 1938 and is considered one of the largest motorcycle rallies in the world. In just a couple of hours, this is Main Street here. It will be packed. And due to the coronavirus, crews are out here every night sanitizing the streets and sidewalks. But when it comes to... (laughs) I think they have to sanitize the streets and sidewalks during every uh, Sturgis bike rally uh, the next morning. But Again, this was that report was from MSNBC. They have never, ever questioned the rioters or the demonstrators out in the streets violating. There, there have been tens of thousands of people marching down the canyons of Manhattan and uh, in Minnesota. They've been declared peaceful protesters, and their First Amendment rights must be protected. But that, that same strategy, of course, doesn't apply to anybody that uh, supports Donald Trump. While he was up there at Bedminster, or over there, I guess it would be, uh, Trump signed four executive orders. And, uh, you know, I'm of a mixed mind on these executive orders. Uh, We've had some back and forth on social media. Uh, I I think this notion to continue to pay people more 
to stay at home and to go to work is um, counterproductive, actually disastrous, both for the economy and both and also for people's work ethic. My kids uh, have been working straight through this thing. I raised them to uh, to avoid any sort of government assistance, to have pride in uh, you know working for what you earn, doing a good job for your employer, and and working hard. And they've been working right through this, while most, almost all, of their coworkers have uh, chosen to take the government check and sit on the couch playing video games or or uh, on social media, uh, they've been laughed at by their friends for being suckers. And, you know, I've, I've had to have this conversation with them repeatedly that in the long run, this will pe- uh, this will pay off both, you know, in sense, uh, in, in the sense of their self-worth and self-image and also they'll advance on the job while their, uh, their coworkers sleep. And now the president with one of these four executive orders has extended this. He's not qu- quite paying them as much. It went from $600 a week to $400 a week to sit on the couch, but it's still more than most workers uh, would make going to work. So, you know, you're going to keep the unemployment rate sky high. You're going to keep the economy hobbled and, you're going to uh, make fools of uh, all the parents that raise their kids to uh, stay away from, you know, the government dole. Now, I understand the reason he did this. He did it because the Democrats were, uh, you know, doing their usual, usual bit of highway robbery. If they see a must-pass bill, they load it up with all the pork and special um, provisions for all of their cronies that they can. And the Democrats were doing that on steroids with this bill. They were trying to, uh, add in a trillion dollars to bail out Democrat cities that have been mismanaged for decades to, uh, to, you know, try to bail them out. They were trying to put in provisions that would ensure Donald Trump's defeat this fall by, uh, authorizing mail-in voting nationwide. Uh, so the president, you know, he's playing guerrilla warfare again. That's good. I understand it because he's put the Democrats in a position now of, uh, of, you know, having to challenge the president's coronavirus relief orders in court, making them look like the heartless, um, meanies instead of the president. But the president has almost certainly exceeded the president's authority uh, with these orders. The Democrats say they're going to challenge him in court. But the president called their bluff. He, they refused to you know, have a clean bill on coronavirus relief. And so the president did like Obama did and, uh, and used his pen and his phone. The president said, We have repeatedly stated our willingness to immediately sign legislation providing expanded unemployment benefits protecting Americans from evictions and providing additional relief payments to families. And the Democrats refuse these offers. Here's a clip of the president's rationale for signing these executive orders. So the Democrat bill includes stimulus checks for illegal aliens. They require the mass release of illegal aliens from detention. They also compel the mass release of inmates 
including serious felons. How do you like that one? And this is in the bill that we're talking about. What does this have to do with stimulus, the economy? What does this have to do with the coronavirus? Another name. What does this have to do with this? So think of that. They required the mass release of illegal aliens from detention. What does this have to do with what we're trying to do? They want to put this in. This is a radical left policy so they can go to Portland and try and rip the place apart that they've been doing for many years and they've been doing for years and years. They also compel the mass release of inmates. What does this have to do with what we're talking about? This is Nancy Pelosi, crazy Nancy, and Chuck Schumer. They want to compel you to do this stuff. And this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. So the president's called their bluff. He's issued this executive order. He's painted them into a corner. And now they're going to have to uh, take him to court to try to stop this. I have no doubt that they'll be able to judge shop and find some left-wing judge that will stop this. But then it will be on the Democrats instead of the president for, uh, for denying this relief. So he's provided the expanded unemployment uh, benefits with one executive order. Another stops evictions, which is really going to put landlords and property owners on the spot. And the third is uh, he's going to institute a a payroll tax holiday for the 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 uh, payroll tax. That's um, I think that's six percent paid by the employee and six percent paid by the employer. Now that'll have a very positive stimulus effect. Unfortunately, it'll also have the effect of uh, further weakening the social security trust fund. I don't know how much that is because they've been rating that trust fund for the general, uh, you know, general expenses for a long time. So might as well be honest about it and just fund social security from the general fund. A lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives, including myself, have have a problem with this. But, you know, we're in a knife fight here. And uh, I understand entirely why the president, uh, you know, wants to bring a gun to a knife fight. uh, Because the future of this country absolutely depends on him being reelected. And uh, this is a way of, you know... uh, going around the Democrats' guerrilla strategies. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. So the Democrats are very disappointed. They thought that they were going to be able to get old Mitch McConnell over a barrel again and give it to him good and hard. They were uh, prepared to bail out all of these uh, failing Democrat cities and states who had not exercised any sort of physical responsibility. Old Chucky Schumer uh, ran up to the microphone, and he had the sads about all of this. So the bottom line is these executive orders do not come close to solving New York's problem. And I am urging the president, 
and my Republican colleagues to the Senate to sit down and meet with us. Oh, so the- oh, Schumer is urging the president and the Republican colleagues. This is a guy that has spent the last three and a half years trying to impeach the president, trying to shame the president for not bailing out New York, the same uh, New York that, you know, the mayor's painting graffiti on the street in front of Trump Tower that uh, the district attorney up there is, uh, is you know, in, engaging in these political prosecutions. <laughs> but, but Schumer wants to urge the president to sit down with the Democrats. They're, uh, they're trying to make some political hay out of this by claiming that, that Trump is harming Social Security by suspending the payroll tax. <laughs> problem they have with that is their candidate joe biden is on record as supporting not only you know freezing the payroll tax when he was a member of the o'biden administration the obama biden administration but also has a history of actually proposing um cuts to social security so i'm not sure how well that's going to work here's a clip i think this is back uh, this, I guess this is about 20 years ago. And this is the beauty of this. It gives the Trump campaign an opportunity to point out Joe Biden's, um, inconsistencies, lies, hypocrisy. But here's Joe Biden on social security about 20 years ago. I tried with Senator Grassley back in the eighties to freeze all government spending, including social security. Do you think though, that it's fair for voters to question your commitment to social security when in the past you proposed a freeze to it no i didn't propose a freeze (laughs) that's biden's answer for things when he gets caught he just says oh that didn't happen back in the uh the early part of the obama administration they uh they instituted a payroll tax freeze and uh nancy pelosi uh rushed over to npr to defend it do you worry, though, that, that this does take money out of the Social Security Trust Fund and that it may never fully be refunded, repaid? No, no I don't worry about that. No, no, I don't worry about that. I've, the Trump campaign's got a new ad out on this issue. It's a pretty effective ad that uh, makes the same points that I just made. Joe Biden tried to cut Social Security and Medicare for decades. When I argued that we should freeze federal spending, I meant Social Security as well. I meant Medicare and Medicaid. I tried it twice, I tried it a third time, and I tried it a fourth time. Now, Biden's promising your benefits to illegal immigrants. President Trump is protecting Social Security and Medicare, lowering costs, expanding access, keeping his word. Yeah. I think the president's playing a winning hand here. I wish we weren't in a position where we had to turn our back on um, bedrock principles in order to win this election, but um, we have to win this election or the country is likely doomed. So the president's asking for another debate. He's he, uh, The Biden campaign has agreed to three of them. I'll believe it when I see it. I think that it's likely that uh, at some point Biden will demand that this be a virtual debate and then he will sit in his Delaware basement with 
uh, teleprompters in front of him and his his um, handlers will be, you know, busy popping up answers that will be, you know, these long winded questions that are asked by these moderators. They'll be busy popping up answers on his teleprompter so that he can get through this. The Trump campaign asked for a uh, a debate in uh, an earlier debate because early voting is set to begin next month. The Biden campaign refused because they want to get as many votes in before people get a good look at Joe Biden in these debates. Tim Murtaugh was talking about this on uh, he's a he's the communications director for the Trump campaign talking about it on Fox News. We know that the way the current schedule is right now, the first debate won't occur until September 29th, which is nearly a month after the first voters in the country get ballots in their hands in North Carolina on September 4th. And so there's no reason why we couldn't move that the last debate up to be before September 4th or add a fourth debate. And, and what the what the commission did was say, listen, if both candidates agree, that includes Trump and Biden, of course, then they would be happy to revisit their schedule. So the ball really is back in Joe Biden's court once again, after all. Will Joe Biden allow American voters to see the two candidates who want to be president standing side by side on a debate stage and lay out their relative visions, defend their records, and show their vitality to the American people? We know President Trump will be there. And, uh, you know, I think there, there's a lot of people in public, Democrats, who are telling Joe Biden not to do it. We know he's been hiding in his basement. Well, he was asking the question there. Uh, the answer is no. The Biden campaign will not agree to move any of the debates or to agree to extra debates. You know, we've got so much to cover over the weekend. This is uh, really the salad days for a talk host. One of the most interesting uh, little vignettes came from over on CNN where Brian Stetler said this remarkably stupid thing sort of sharpened their teeth on Bill Clinton. This has been the way they've built audiences for three decades now. Yeah, I don't want to claim it's new. I just am arguing that it's getting worse. It's getting more severe. Uh, Aaron, your view of this, you know, when you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left, Terry? (laughs) We see entire media companies represent to tear down Joe Biden. Is there an equivalent of that on the left? Let's, let's hear this again. Then you'll hear the mind-boggling answer from the uh, talking head. I just am arguing that it's getting worse. It's getting more severe. Uh, Aaron, your view of this, you know, when you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down Trump? Uh, there, there really isn't. And, you know, what I would say, it, it, it's, a, it's really a diet of, of this type of information that a lot of these voters are getting. A lot of the voters that I talk to, I can, uh, you know, when I interview them, I do hear uh, them saying a lot of the talking points that sound very familiar. From- uh, it's because these talk shows and in uh, Fox News are actually paying attention to reality, not the alternative reality where little Brian Stetler lives. I've got a poll up on Twitter asking who is uh, the biggest douche on cable news. You got Brian Stetler, Don Lamont, Rachel Maddow, and Lawrence O'Donnell. So far, Brian Stetler is uh, is leading in a walk. So I don't know. 
you know, if this, this little dude's trolling us or if he's serious, is there an equivalent trying to tear down Trump? Yeah, it's called the mainstream media doofus. It's about represents about 95% of the media. It's been an unrelenting attack on this president. We got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. So this weekend, the Washington Post uh, started what appears to be a, a, you know, they had several stories. So I think this is going to be their their new tactic. They're they're highlighting these protesters in Portland, Oregon, and giving them this uh, this great uh, you know humanitarian spin that these people are social justice warriors and they were raised to do this and they do it. Fantastic. And this thing was, uh, you know, complete with a, a photo spread that seemed to, you know, give them this, uh, it's almost like a fashion shoot showing them with their, their little shields and their backpacks and, uh, you know, their goggles and everything. It's a long, about 3000 words talking about, you know, uh, making these people seem uh, very uh, sympathetic and, and like good people. Every sort of uh, word that pointed out what they're actually doing was always qualified and contextualized to make it seem like, you know, the, they're the good guys and the police trying to keep them from burning down the city are the bad guys. And, uh, and, you know, I think they're doing this is because they, they thought that maybe the Portland protests were need a little bit of oxygen. They, they need to encourage these people to keep it up. And, uh, you know, this, this is the, the Washington post so-called paper of records. So it's a national newspaper. It went all over all of these lunatics out there in the street. say, well, you know, if Amazon's. Washington Post thinks this is good, then, you know, maybe we are in the right after all, and they're going to keep it up. So over the weekend, they tried to burn down the police union's offices. There was a mention of that, but, you know, it was was very qualified and, like I said, contextualized. 
They talked about how the protest was really, they just had bonfires in the street where they were roasting marshmallows. And that a few of them wandered over and ripped the, uh, the, boarded, the boards off of the boarded up police union hall and uh, started a fire inside. And then, of course, they had a couple of paragraphs on how evil the, the Portland police are, which is a joke. Then over in Chicago, we see that um, a, uh, a, a criminal, a black criminal, fired a shot at Chicago police officers who uh, had the nerve to return fire on this, uh, this violent criminal. And so protests sprang up and quickly devolved into looting right there on the, what do they call it, the Miracle Mile, the loop in uh, Chicago where they... Uh, looted malls and Tesla dealerships and Louis Vuitton stores. This comes uh, uh, right on the heels of uh, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightweight condemning people, uh, you know, not exercising COVID distancing while gathered outdoors on a beach on Lake Michigan. So she went up and, you know, put up a wall. (laughs) that's a good wall. It's a Democrat wall. They put up a wall around the beach to keep people from getting outside, have to have to clamp down on this fresh air and sunshine. So, you know, Chicago's burning. The stores are getting looted. People are moving out. She's concerned about people going to the beach. They were shooting each other. They were shooting at cops. They, uh, they shot a, a Walgreens security guard. And, uh, you know, you just have scenes of anarchy from Chicago. I guess at this point, this, uh, this sort of uh, activity ought to run right through the election to keep reminding our uh, short attention span electorate of exactly what the Democrats are and what they stand for and what they will tolerate. Well, we've uh, we've gone another week, and Joe Biden still has not settled on our vice presidential candidate. I th- I think the reason he has he's put old Joe uh, of uh, Chris Dodd, he of Ted Kennedy and Chris Dodd waitress sandwich fame, in charge of picking his vice presidential candidate. I don't think Chris Dodd can uh, successfully vet any of these uh, potential running mates for Joe Biden. Because they're all lunatics and they all have skeletons that come tumbling out of the closet. When you look closely, they thought they had, uh, settled on, oh, what's her name? Um, the, uh, the communist representative from Los Angeles. I'll think of it in a second. The one who praised Castro and, and was part of a, uh, you know, a, a Castro funded, training program when she was young. So she's probably now been eliminated. That was Chris Dodd's favorite until he realized that he had missed that little nugget. And, uh, they're talking about Kamala Harris again. Kamala Harris is, uh, is going to have huge problems of course, because you can't have prosecutors actually putting people in jail. And she did that for, 
uh, about 15 years as the state attorney general for California. So she's going to be unacceptable. Can't have people that uh, support law and order. And she did in a previous life. Actually, so did Joe Biden, who was the author, of course, of the, it was the 1994 crime bill that, uh, that the Democrats hate so much. It's actually one of the very few things that Joe Biden ever got accomplished during his nearly 40 years in the U.S. Senate. Here is Aaron Perini on Fox talking about Biden's vice presidential candidate. Now, this was last week saying that it was expected that week. Well, it shows that the Democrats don't really have any true ideas. They just needed a vessel for the radical social agenda, and they got that vessel in Joe Biden. And when it comes to his VP pick, we've seen him delay and delay and delay. Remember, if they had had their convention at the normal time, it would have already had to have happened a month ago who they were going to select. And why is it so delayed? Well, Well, it's it's delayed because uh, none of these people can pass. Uh, vetting. I think that, that that Susan Rice is going to be the last person standing. Not that Susan Rice doesn't have plenty of skeletons in her own closet. She's the one that uh, you know took to the the Sunday news shows uh, and was lying for Hillary Clinton on the the uh, the Benghazi uh, scandal. She's been wrong about almost every foreign policy. Um, move during her whole career, which I guess makes her the perfect vice president for Joe Biden. So Bill Barr uh, was on with Mark Levin on Saturday night. Uh, was life, liberty, and Levin, and uh, once again demonstrated that he is one of the last adults left in the room on the American political scene. Um, talked about the, um, well, just his thoughts on the, the rise of the radical left in the Democrat Party. I'll be a Molotov cocktail for right. behind the table and throw it at you. What, what do you make of this? Well, you know, I, I have the perspective of having been attorney general 30 years ago and now, and I thought things were uh, partisan and tough 30 years ago. Nothing compared to today. Things have fundamentally changed. And I think what has happened, and I've been thinking about this, because, uh, you know, in the old days, you could have friends across the aisle. Uh, you know, politics was part of your life, but it wasn't all-consuming. It wasn't everything. You could, you know, have communications and so forth with others. But it's now become all-consuming for many people. And I think what's happened is that the left wing uh, has really withdrawn and pulled away from the umbrella of classical liberal values that have undergirded our our society since our founding. And, um, you know, when, within the family... Uh, Let me just speak to that for just a second. The reason, uh, for the longest time, we were able to, uh, you know, be friends despite politics is because there was an unwritten rule that the Republicans would always surrender the Democrats could get, you know, uh, mildly to moderately radical and uh, dishonest in their attacks, and the Republicans would always throw in the towel and allow them to continue their leftward ratchet of American politics. 
Well, with the rise of Donald Trump, he stepped in and said, no more. We've gone as far down this road as we can and still maintain this republic. And like these executive orders, he started fighting back, bringing a, a gun to a knife fight. And so the Democrats have had to continue to escalate their radicalism to the point where they're supporting rioters in the streets and these ridiculous coronavirus lockdowns. Now, if the Republicans were willing to retreat and continue to let the Democrats incrementally destroy this nation, then, uh, you know, we could be friends again. But that's called surrender. That's called capitulation. That's called submission. And uh, those days have long since passed. The Democrats are going to win by any means necessary if we let them. And uh, and I don't think we can let them and expect to survive as a nation. Well, we, we've had two ways of resolving disputes. One is discussion, the dialectic, the marketplace of ideas, trying to arrive at the truth. We had an idea that there was some truth to arrive at. And then if we couldn't reach agreement, a vote. And that's how we that's how we operated. Nowadays, you have I think the left has essentially withdrawn uh, from uh, this model and really represents a Rousseauian revolutionary uh, party that that believes in tearing down the system. Well, he missed a prime opportunity to call it what it is. It's not Rousseau. It's Marx. It's a Marxist ideology to each according from their ability or to from each according to their abilities to each according to their need they want to uh, to convert this into a socialist utopia but even worse than that it's going to be based on their cultural marxism that's required to incite their identity politics base every 4 years and keep people at each other's throats Back to Bill Barr. That what's wrong about America today all has to do with the institutions we have, and we have to tear them down. And they're interested in complete political victory. They're not interested in compromise. They're not interested in dialectic exchange of views. They're interested in total victory. And that's, it's, a, it's a secular religion. It's a substitute for religion. They view their political opponents, and they... Uh, you know, as evil, that because we stand in the way of their progressive utopia that they're trying to reach, and uh, that's what gives you know the intensity to the partisan feelings that people feel today. Because for them, this pilgrimage we're all on is a political pilgrimage. Everything is reduced to politics. For people who don't have that perspective, politics is important, but it's not the whole purpose of life. Well, I mean, what he's trying to say there is that, um, is that the godless Democrat party, and we're going to talk about Joe Biden trying to portray himself as a devout Catholic. The godless Democrat party has replaced the void left by their lack of spirituality with their, their Marxist ideology. And like I say, they're they're fine with the Republicans as long as Republicans are are, are constantly ceding ground. But we, when we try to take back some ground, that's when all hell breaks loose. That's when they um, destroy the government, try to impeach the president, try to use the law enforcement and intelligence agencies to 
spy on a political campaign to incite people to loot and riot. They will stop at nothing, including trying to steal this election. Part of it? Absolutely. I mean, I said during my hearing, can any of you just come out and say it's not okay to burn down federal courthouses? Hmm. I mean, they talk about the rule of law. They talk about the importance of of the federal uh, legal system to protection of civil rights. Well, the heart of that is our court system. And they're not willing, not one of them piped up to say, no, it's not okay to be burning down federal courts. Why? Some of them are true believers. Some of them are uh, essentially revolutionary in their outlook. They believe in tearing down the system. But many of them are just cowards uh, who are mostly interested in getting reelected and are afraid, from, uh, you know, uh, about a challenge from the left. So- well, and that challenge of the left has been coming. Anybody that... Uh- that insufficiently bowed before this Black Lives Matter movement is being replaced by these uh, ridiculously named Justice Democrats, these Marxists who are calling themselves Justice Democrats. So we're going to have to we're going to have to win big in November. We need to hold on to the White House. We need to hold on to the Senate, and we need to return to Republican. House of Representatives. Now, I don't know if that will carry the day, but it will certainly push off uh, and give the president some time to to consolidate this America First movement. We're going to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Santa's dropping off way more than you expected this year. Thanks to Xfinity, the whole family can enjoy great coverage and fast, reliable internet speed up to gig, all at a great value. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. You know, when the history books are written about this pandemic, the thing that is most going to discredit the left is their rejection of hydroxychloroquine and the azithromycin, the zinc, to to fight back on this pandemic, And it's going to expose them as actually using this virus in order to achieve political ends. If Trump had never come out in support of it, then, you know, you don't, I don't think that they would have launched this jihad against it. But the Democrats in the media have been relentless ever since Trump first, you know, expressed some optimism about hydroxychloroquine. They accused Trump of practicing medicine without a license for showing that, uh, you know, some studies already had had shown that hydroxychloroquine was effective. And, uh, you know, the media have consistently ignored the studies that prove that this is an effective treatment when properly administered. There's been 53 such studies now, and they have focused instead on um, much fewer and much smaller studies that discredited the drug. Well, now there's a fellow named Stephen Hatfield. He's a veteran virologist who has shown that, uh, yes, indeed, 53 studies have shown positive results. There are 14 studies that show neutral or negative results, and 10 of them 
were when the drug was issued in the very late stages of uh, the infection. The remaining four, two of them have been thoroughly discredited and had to be retracted from the medical journals, the one in Brazil and the one uh, from Lancet. And, uh, and they keep telling us that hydroxychloroquine has been discredited. No, hydroxychloroquine at this point has shown to be very effective. And in fact, we're seeing now in third world countries where they have administered hydroxychloroquine, they're having better outcomes than in the United States where it has been locked down. But one of the most convincing studies is out of Switzerland. And uh, they had been using hydroxychloroquine to, to treat the virus, and they had a very low level of lethality. Well, after that Lancet study that was subsequently withdrawn, or, yeah, I, could, I should say, after that Lancet study, they suspended the use of hydroxychloroquine. And then, like clockwork, about two weeks later, their mortality rates started to spike. So they they withdrew it on the Lancet study. Then when the Lancet study was discredited, they restarted using hydroxychloroquine. And just like clockwork, once again, the mortality rate went down. So, you know, they, they want to keep pointing to the 160,000 deaths. Many of those are not actually the result of the coronavirus, but they want to ignore entirely the fact that uh, they, the media themselves have been the ones that have, uh, have kept the United States from using the cheapest, most readily available, most effective treatment for this virus. So there's a, there emerges on the scene a new wrinkle in the Russiagate hoax. This fellow named Stephen Sharangi, I think is how he pronounces it, has come forward. He is an American that uh, went over to Cambridge University to, uh, to study with uh, the walrus, Stephen Halprin. And he's given a behind-the-scene looks uh, at, at how... He coordinated with Halprin and Christopher Steele and uh, former MI6 director Breedlove in order to target the Trump campaign and surveil it by by uh, ginning up a, a rationale to surveil Carter Page. Here he is attending, uh, um, appearing on Maria Bartiromo's show on Sunday. Right. I had had a long background working on crime and terrorism at the White House and Congress and went to Cambridge to finish a Ph.D. I'd started years earlier at Harvard. And my my intent was always to have a conference that looked at presidential campaigns and national security risk. I had no idea that it would blow up into this. Halper was not that engaged um, up until the point where he crossed paths with Page and Christopher Steele's former MI6 boss, uh, Richard, Sir Richard Dearlove. At that point, he seemed to really focus on Page and uh, really try to isolate him and kind of ingratiate himself with the Trump campaign. 
in ways that seemed like a real turning point. But how Page wound up there with Hopper was really a comedy of errors, and it was something where we were looking for someone from the Trump campaign to make sure the Trump campaign was represented, and it just kind of happened to fall on his lap that Page landed there. Well, why did you want someone from the Trump campaign? I mean, here here you have you right. wrote about these guys and you call them the Cambridge Four, that they're right. washed up spies. Why are washed up spies wanting to get in with the Trump campaign? Well, for the conference, they were not involved in that decision at all. The conference was because I came from a Republican background and I wanted an unbiased conference. I wanted to make sure if we had Madeleine Albright on one side, we had a Trump representative on the other side. I don't believe Stephen Hopper even knew Carter Page was going to be at the conference until I emailed him. You know, we had talked about people. But what happened was before the conference, if you look at it a few weeks ago, Christopher Steele had been hired by a Clinton campaign contractor. And then the spark that I think really set this off was when Stefan Halper, uh, Rich, uh, Christopher Steele's old boss, Richard Dearlove, and Page were all together. And it, uh, Trump was portrayed, to my surprise, as this national security threat. And that's when the interest really started to bubble in terms of where this took off. So I'm not sure if this guy is a, a conspirator. I suspect that he is trying to muddy up the waters with the uh, the Durham investigation coming into the home stretch, and he uh, he wants to slow this down and give Joe Biden a chance to win the election so he can pull the plug on all of this. Uh, he, he wrote a, a long piece that was put up on Matt Taibbi's site uh, detailing all of this. Uh, it sounds pretty um, malevolent the way he describes it, but he's promising, you know, to continue to write installments of this story in the future. And I, I think that he, you know, all of the Russia hoax characters have been thoroughly discredited at this point. And I think he may be stepping in as a way to, uh, to, to guard the deep States backside, uh, by, by taking the heat, off of John Brennan and James Comey and uh, Peter, Str- not Peter Strzok, uh, and Andy McCabe, who was uh, over there in England helping coordinate all of this. Have you seen this video out of Indianapolis, Indiana, where um, these Black Lives Matter protests threw up one of these uh, roadblocks and stopped people from proceeding? There's a pickup truck trying to go down the road and Black Lives Matter are standing in front of him. He's moving forward, you know, inching, trying to make his way past when a couple of Black Lives Matter protests jump in front of his vehicle and pull pistols on him. (laughs) And, you know, I know these people are idiots, but basically what they're doing when they stand in front of a vehicle and threaten the driver with a gun is inviting the driver to defend himself. I can tell you that if, if I'm driving down the road and somebody jumps in front of my car, and in this case, there were two of them and uh, starts brandishing a weapon and threatening me, they're going to get a quick lesson in some basic physics because I'm going to duck as low as I can and hit the gas pedal and uh, continue down the road because that is the most sure way of defending yourselves. But this has become a, a, a recurrent theme. 
I don't know what the prosecutors in Indianapolis would have, would have done to this driver, but uh, the old saying is better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. And that, uh, that driver in this case backed up and turned around, but in the, in the, uh, in the, in the process of backing up, he exposed himself to somebody with violent criminal intent that had already, uh, demonstrated that. And you don't have to guess about any of this. We've actually had these black lives matter protesters in Aurora, California and other cities that have, have shot drivers that were just, you know, approaching their, their uh, roadblocks, illegal roadblocks. So I just want to remind the listeners of this show. First of all, if you see a roadblock up ahead, go ahead and turn around before you get to it. But if you find yourself in the middle of one of these roadblocks and you're surrounded by these demonstrators beating on your cars and somebody starts threatening you with a gun, the safest and most defensible thing you can do is hit the gas and get the hell out of there and if the guy with the gun happens to be standing in front of your car at the time well that's on him he had no right to stop your progress to begin with and when he threatens you with a gun he puts you reasonably in fear for your life at which point deadly force is justified well, that takes us to the end of this edition of right now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us, and I hope you'll come back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home.